and welcome back to the How To Fitness Podcast. I'm Kate Lyman. And I'm Michael Ujoa, and today we are back with another deep dive episode. Kate, how are you doing and what are we talking about today? I am excited to learn. Doing great. I'm very excited. I'm very excited to touch on this topic. So we're going to talk today about semaglutide, um, GLP-1 drugs, uh, you know, something that's very popular right now. And you work in fitness and nutrition. I kind of stay in my nutrition lane. And so this topic is so popular right now. And I'm not just talking about, um, you know, within like social media circles and, and like news headlines, but in something that my clients are bringing up to me quite frequently because it's something their doctors are pushing quite frequently. So, um, I'm excited to dive in and kind of talk about what are these drugs how have they come about? What's the history? Where does it parallel in in, in history of past um, kind of diet med- or weight loss medications? And what do we do with all this information? Because there's a lot. There's a lot of information out there. So I hope this can help break down some of these topics um, and make us or listeners be more informed decision makers because it's not all bad. It's not. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating, isn't it? Because it is everywhere at the moment. And I feel like I should probably know more about it than I do. So I'm really glad that we're doing this deep dive. Thank you, Kate. Oh, gear and, up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. But yeah, it, it really is everywhere. And there's so many articles. And every time I do a Q&A on Instagram, someone will ask me about weight loss medication. And it just seems to be at the forefront of everything at the moment. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to being a bit more informed. So let's go for it. Let's do it. Okay, so today we are addressing the weekly weight loss injections that have taken the world by storm, semaglutides. Sometimes I mess up how to say that, so no pressure. (laughs) (laughs) These are GLP-1 injectable medications known commonly by their brand name Ozempic, among others. You may have heard of Wagovi or Monjaro. Um, These are the same drugs with different labels. There's also a daily version of liraglutide, Sexenda, or known as Victoza. Um, We'll also touch on that a little bit later, but for the most part, because that's a lot of words to say, I'm going to (laughs) call them Ozempic. Ozempic is kind of the most common one we hear of often. I don't know. Is that true for you as well? Yeah, that's the one you always see banded about, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So we'll just talk about Ozempic mostly. So these drugs have sparked off quite a media sensation. They were originally approved by the FDA for treating type 2 diabetes. However, lately they've been in the spotlight for off-label use as a weight loss aid. Some celebrities have been singing praises about their weight loss experiences with these medications, and this has sparked both curiosity and controversy. Now, this is nothing new. Our obsession with diet pills and quick fixes goes back a long way. Um, the history is long, and it's quite intriguing, and we don't have that much time <laughs> to go through all of it. Um, but it's interesting to note that this, like, Diet pills or weight loss pills go back to the Victorian era. So we turned to this book called Calories and Corsets, <laughs> A History of Dieting Over 2,000 Years by Louise Foxcroft. And she talks about how um, in Victorian times, people actually ate tapeworms to lose weight. So tapeworms are a parasitic worm that can make people sick if they eat or drink something that's contaminated. Uh, they live in the digestive system and they connect to the intestinal wall while they get the, where they get nutrients from the host's food. That I can you imagine 
how awful some of those Victorian approaches would have been. <laughs> like, no. taking tapeworms sounds awful, but I'm sure there was also some many horrific things that they did in an effort to lose weight. That's wild. Right, this is just one of them. I, I mean, also, yeah. like, corsets and, and corsets. How do you say it? Corsets. <laughs> and in general, I don't know, you probably say it differently than myself. Um, <laughs> um, but that, in general, is also awful. Um, so when a person eats the tapeworm's eggs, they get an infection. So now they have this tapeworm growing in them. It grows and it develops in the gut system where it can get up to several meters. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm <laughs> this is making me feel so gross. So. I'm cringing. <laughs> I see you cringing. Oh, that's awful. And so this is like a, an OG. Have you, do you watch the office, the, the, American office. Do you remember I that have episode watched, of I've Kelly? I've not watched all of it. Okay, yeah, yeah, I episode where Kelly about, takes yeah. a tapeworm. Yeah, um, it's terrible. So later on, when advertisements for diet pills began to emerge in magazines, they showcased before and after illustrations of women, which obviously sounds familiar, right? Yeah. Um, but these weren't the pills we know today. They can contain anything from baking powder to lard to even arsenic. Gross. Um, and the Victorians knew it. So they knew that there was arsenic in the pills they were taking. Um, but the desperation to conform to societal beauty standards was so strong, they were willing to ingest a known poison for the sake of losing weight. That is, I mean, yeah, it is a poison, right? People die taking arsenic. Modern day beauty standards, they've always been around. People have always felt the pressure to look a certain way and they're willing to die to take these pills. That's arsenic. That's, that's, horrible. that's madness. Yeah. So we, we left tapeworms and arsenic behind, but then continuing to the 20th century, there was the int- introduction of rainbow diet pills. And these were a mix of amphetamines, diuretics, thyroid hormo- hormone, and laxatives. Um, so there was some severe side effects like heart- hypertension, heart attacks, strokes, and even death, but they still remained popular until the FDA cracked down on them in 1970s. Like, What? I mean, a mixture of all of those together sounds awful. I know we're kind of laughing at this, but that is like truly no, it's awful. Horrifying. Like imagine taking something with all of that in it. Wow. And how do you feel? Because what? Not good, but no. you look slim, so I... they were maybe happy. <laughs> Not really. Because you're, you're like um, trending towards death, I guess. Yeah, that's horrific. So from those early days of before and after illustrations to today's more sophisticated ads promising miraculous transformations, the marketing of diet pills preys on our insecurities and our desire for quick fixes. There's no doubt about that, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Hollywood's fixation with thinness and the glorification of certain body types have greatly influenced societal perceptions of beauty and health, and celebrities endorsing diet pills and weight loss supplements have only added to the frenzy. So while we've seen some shifts towards promoting body positivity and diverse body types in recent years, the, prof- the pressure to conform to certain body ideals is very much still prevalent, right? Like we can, we can consume as much body positivity, body neutrality, body acceptance content as possible. Um, we can kind of live in an echo chamber where that's what we see and that's what we ingest in social media, but the diet pills are still out there. I mean, there's, I don't, I don't know how, what would be required to trend away from that. Right. Yeah. I think we've, we've spoken briefly about this before, haven't we, where we, we do live in this echo chamber where we feel like, yeah, the fitness industry is making improvements and people are becoming more accepting of body types and we're focusing on performance rather than aesthetic goals. But no, 
it's still awful. <laughs> like, it's well, then, still then awful you send me something. Then you send me something on TikTok, and I'm like, oh no. Yeah, oh, no, we've that's still got a true. long way to go. Yeah. <laughs> so, as with the diet pills, weight loss injections are often marketed as a quick fix solution to weight loss. But as we've seen throughout this history, and I mean, we just touched on like a a tiny, tiny bit of it. There's no such thing as a a magic bullet when it comes to sustainable, healthy weight loss. Um, We seem to be very much locked in a cycle of jumping from one quick fix to the next without adequately considering the potential risks and side effects. Um, In a world constantly seeking the next big thing in weight loss, this sure is a compelling topic to dive into. We're going to unravel the facts, discuss the implications, and offer our take on this trend. So first, I want to touch on semaglutides. Like, what, what are they? What are they? Our journey begins with semaglutide, a GLP-1 agonist initially developed and approved by the FDA for the treatment of type 2 diabetes. You may have come across the brand with names such as Wagovi, Ozempic, Trulicity, um, but beneath all these trade names, the active substance remains the same, semaglutide. Recently, this group of drugs has been riding the wave of popularity as a weight loss aid despite their primary function in the management of diabetes. Like I said, we're going to talk mostly about Ozempic just because that's a popular brand name. So Ozempic is marketed at diabetes patients. Wagovi is actually marketed at weight loss patients. GLP-1 agonists function by mimicking the actions of the naturally occurring hormone GLP-1. This hormone plays a dual role in the body. First, it stimulates the production of insulin, which is the hormone responsible for regulating blood sugar levels. Second, GLP-1 promotes feelings of satiety or fullness, effectively acting as an appetite suppressant. These combined effects not only manage blood sugar levels in diabetics, but when used off-label can promote weight loss in non-diabetic individuals. I just, I think with this, how must you feel as a diabetic person when you're like struggling to get medication or like going for your routine um what's the word a prescription going to going to pick up your meds and they're like oh sorry we're out of this drug at the moment because that's what is happening at the moment right you hear of these stories of just massive shortages of these drugs because celebrities are wanting to look a certain way on a runway and yeah imagine being told sorry we've got no diabetes medication for you today because we're all out because people wanting to lose a little bit of weight it's awful right and and i mean we'll touch on that a little bit because there is a shortage going on but um something i didn't even we have so many topics to touch on something i didn't even get to dive in further is how many people can prescribe these because it's not just you don't just have to go to your doctor's office either right like i know injectors can oftentimes depending on their credentials inscribe uh sorry prescribe these um alongside things like botox or fillers or things like that so is that right in the u.s Mm -hmm. so this i think it might be different in the uk and the u.s here so you can literally just get it prescribed a little bit more yeah (laughs) so i think you have to go here i might be wrong but i think you have to go to a doctor and they prescribe it to you due to your current situation but in the in the u.s can you just go to someone who does like botox and stuff so i believe that you're supposed to go to a doctor but a lot of times someone in a med spa is going to work under the umbrella of doctor nurse nurse practitioner something like that with prescriptive abilities and a lot of times i know that they're able i I know you can get them get these medications via a med spa in a lot of areas so that's wild yeah okay so it's important to remember that these 
are potent medications originally intended to treat specific chronic condition. Their use for weight loss is a secondary off-label application. While the appeal for significant weight loss may be enticing for all, um, it's very essential to consider the medic- medical implications, side effects, and long-term effects of such use. And it's interesting to see how the narrative around these drugs has been shifting. Once prescribed discreetly for diabetes management, semaglutide injections like Ozempic have now become almost a status symbol, driven in part by their association with Hollywood's elite and rumors of dramatic weight loss results. Yeah, you. this is where I hear of it mostly, right? That I see more of it of articles talking about celebrities. Um, and I, I can't remember where I read the article. And you've always got to be a little bit careful about what you read on the internet. <laughs> Uh, but there was an article talking as someone who was like an insider within the celebrity world. And it was one of the, one of the big events like BAFTAs or some big award ceremony and uh, here in the UK. And they were saying that nearly all of the celebrities that they know at this event were taking this medication right. to try and lose a little bit of weight. So it just kind of shows how widespread and popular its use is at the moment. And I mean... I'm, I'm sure you might touch on this in a bit, but do we really know the long-term implications of this medication yet? <laughs> I don't think so, because in, mm. in some aspects or the, for off-label use, it's very new, right? Mm-hmm. So there's even this, this um, it's called like Ozempic effect. <laughs> Have you like seen that on, on TikTok at all? I, is, is it like a certain look of the person that's taking it? I think so. I, so I'm not on something TikTok. about this, yeah. And so I don't see all of that, but even I was watching the Met Gala red carpet just a few weeks back and one of the commentators mentioned like, oh, we've got the Ozempic effect going on. Like everyone is looking slim and maybe not normal in their normal body um, weight, you know, like what? So... I, I think a, a big part of um, the popularity of these drugs is roles of social me- uh, sorry is the role of influencers on social media. Um, so the impact of influencers promoting weight loss products on social media cannot be underestimated. Uh, people look up to these influencers. People want weight loss, right? Um, and you know, you and I work in the or spend time in the social media sphere, and we are actively working against a lot of noise. Um, and working hard to bring reputable information into the world, but it's a lot less exciting, <laughs> as we know, to promote, you know, sustainable habits and long-term approach to your um, your body composition, your performance, your overall health, than exciting quick fixes and false promises. So, you know, we're up against a lot. We really are. I mean, even I felt a bit bored when you were saying about all the stuff I have to actually focus on with my health and fitness. Tell me more about Zempec. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, (laughs) exactly, right? (laughs) So let's dive a a bit deeper into how these GLP-1 agonists like semaglutide work. As I mentioned earlier, they stimulate the production of insulin. Insulin is an essential hormone that enables our bodies to use sugar from the carbohydrates in the food we eat for energy or store it for future use. It also keeps our blood sugar levels from getting too high or too low. So in people with type 2 diabetes, semaglutide helps control their blood sugar levels and keeps them within a healthy range. It's the second function of semaglutide, the promotion of satiety, that has piqued a lot of interest. So satiety is the feeling of fullness we get after eating, and it's one of the main factors that stops us from eating more. 
by mimicking the action of the GLP-1 of GLP-1 and promoting feelings of satiety, semaglutide can help people eat less and thereby lose weight. However, it's important to understand that this is an off-label use of the drug. The primary purpose of semaglutide is still to manage blood sugar levels in individuals with type 2 diabetes. So it's, yeah, so it's kind of like a side effect of the drug rather than the drug purposefully making you drop body fat in short. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And so mm-hmm. anecdotally, I know from talking to clients who have actually been on Ozempic um, or Wagovi or um, kind of reading about it in, in other circles, the the satiety, it, I don't believe it's like a comfortable satiety, a comfortable fullness you get upon eating. I think it's a lot of nausea um, and discomfort specifically when trying to eat. Um, and so I, I do know, and again, anecdotally of an individual who, um, we were working with who, you know, could not get their intake above about a thousand calories because of that nausea and discomfort brought about by that, you know, quote unquote satiety. It was satiety. It's not, it's not a desire to eat, but it's not a comfortable fullness either. It's funny you say that because you'd never hear that at all right so you're right. we're kind of told like this is a you don't really hear the downsides at all do you a lot of people on social media be talking about it kind of helps you feel a bit more full and it almost makes it feel like quite a nice good thing right you never hear about it being do you say an uncomfortable fullness yeah right yeah or smoke and mirrors yeah or smoke oh. and mirrors yeah so we also need to talk accessibility, right? Because semaglutides are not cheap medications. Um, I don't think most people's insurance cover it. I, I don't know actually about that because I, I think it's hit or miss depending on insurance. But with these drugs being co-opted as a weight loss tool, there's a real risk of limiting their availability to those who genuinely need them for diabetes management, right? Like that's a huge issue we've already touched on. And beyond accessibility, there's also an issue of safety and lack of research on the long-term impacts of these drugs for weight loss. So while some studies have shown promising results for weight loss in the short term, we just don't know enough about what happens to someone who uses these drugs for years or even decades. The trial that led to the approval of the high-dose semaglutide for weight management, called the STEP trial, actually only followed patients for 68 weeks. Um, We need longer studies to fully understand the long-term safety and effectiveness of these medications. We also have to consider the potential risks and side effects because semaglutides are not without them. The most common side effects are gastrointestinal and include nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea. Other side effects, although less common, can be serious. A study published in the British Journal of Clinical Pharmacology in 2019 showed that GLP-1 agonists, including semaglutides, could cause an acute kidney injury due to volume contraction from vomiting or diarrhea which that sounds very uncomfortable this sounds awful (laughs) yeah other potential adverse side effects include retinopathy which is damage to the retina of the eyes causing visual impairment there's also some so i i know that every medication comes with like a long list of side effects right so i think at a point it becomes easy to ignore those um, because it's like, of course, you know, here's this laundry list of all the things that could happen, but like, that's not going to happen to me. Right. Um, but we do find that the, the daily side effects, the nausea, abdominal pain, cramping, diarrhea, um, those are like a lot more common and more common in a lot more individuals taking these drugs for this off-label use. That's a long list of stuff. Yeah. could go wrong there, right? <laughs> and, and I mean, quality of life wise, we don't feel great 
when we're mm-hmm. nauseous, um, when we have diarrhea, when we have abdominal cramping, gastrointestinal discomfort, period. Like it's hard to live life feeling good, period, full stop. Um, do you do you follow Remy Bader on on Instagram potentially? No, no. no she's I don't. she's a um, she's an influencer who's kind of uh, body positive, um, like a curvy model, um, and she just earlier this month was on the not skinny but not fat podcast and she claimed that she gained back double the weight after she stopped using ozempic and it caused her to binge eat after Um, and according to a paper published in diabetes obesity and metabolism in april of 2022 patients on a 2.4 milligram dose of semaglutide retained two-thirds of the weight they had lost in the first year after stopping the medication I mean, it's it's just kind of expected, right? <laughs> like, like, it's kind of the issue with the, with a lot of these things of, yeah, you can go through this process and probably drop weight whilst feeling awful, but, like, what has changed? Like, other than that is absolutely nothing. So, surely, as soon as you stop this medication and you revert back to the way that you were before, um, then the weight's just like clearly going to go back on right like, like surely that's just like a bit of a no-brainer isn't it so it's i don't know with it in the u.s i don't know whether you know that's not okay do they is there any like follow-up of, of when people get prescribed a zempec or is it like this is your course for like three months and then off you go see you later i really don't know and i would say i doubt it <laughs> just knowing our yeah. medical system i would say mm-hmm. i doubt it mm-hmm. so something yeah. that i wanted to look into a little deeper was the impact on muscle wasting or muscle loss. So another key issue here, and a study published in Diabetes, Obesity, and Metabolism, different study, showed that the GLP-1 agonist could cause loss of lean body mass. Um, For people attempting to lose weight, we want to retain as much muscle mass as possible. So the loss of muscle mass is going to decrease our metabolic rate. It's going to make it hard, harder to maintain weight loss. We know all of these things. And we know that, you know, just from the work that we do, that if someone is approaching weight loss or fat loss, um, you know, body composition goals of some sort, we're probably going to see some loss of muscle mass. It's just, it's just, it's just going to happen. Um, and what I've been interesting to, interested to see, because I've seen this claim of higher rates of muscle loss with Ozempic use, is are those rates higher because of something in this semaglutide medication um, or interaction, or is it just a normal rate of muscle loss for individuals with high weight loss? You know, like we don't really know. So I throw that out there saying, I I feel like there's still more to be seen there um, because I feel like in any um, intervention with weight loss as the intended outcome, you're going to see a little bit of that muscle wasting exactly that isn't it it's yeah there's always anytime weight loss is involved there's always going to be some sort of muscle decreasing yeah is it the medication or is it just the lifestyle impact that the medication causes so kind of loss of calorie intake therefore protein intake therefore muscle mass is being lost I, i know it was hard because we we did so much digging and there's still so much more to be done which yeah um, exactly which just kind of shows how new and potentially harmful this drug is and why people probably shouldn't be taking it um, right so yeah. actually on that note i want to do a little rewind and this felt really important for me to touch on um into the history of weight loss drugs so we talked about like the victorian era <laughs> um tapeworm obviously we're not doing that right now um it's I, not so I, I swear that some people are still doing this okay. because i think yeah. i saw a tiktok video once again oh my where there was someone talking about how they had 
it consumed a tapeworm for this exact reason. Um, whether it's a social media clout, I don't know why you'd want to boast about doing that, but I think people are still doing it. You would have thought our approaches would have improved since the Victorian That's era. Horrifying. but I know yeah. I said obviously people aren't doing that, and I take that back. It's, it's not obvious. <laughs> TikTok is here. It's not obvious. <laughs> so, I, but I do want to kind of dive into a little more recent um, weight loss medications that have been relevant to kind of what we're talking about now. So it's a, it's a cautionary tale that deserves retelling, especially in the context of this discussion. Fen-Fen. Fen-Fen, for our listeners who might not know, was a combination of two drugs, fenfluramine and fentermine. Um, and it was used off-label for weight loss in the 90s. So I think maybe a few of us can go back and remember this fen craze. Um, While it initially seemed to be promising, a promising option, reports soon began to emerge linking it to severe heart and lung conditions, including primary pulmonary hypertension and valvular heart disease. These are very severe life-threatening conditions that led to multiple deaths and ultimately the recall of fen-fen by the FDA in 1997. Uh, Now, we were alive then. That is not that long ago. And Fenfen was not an isolated incident. So the history of weight loss drugs is, is you know, masked with seven, several such instances. Um, and and this is kind of a, a pattern that is repeated over and over and over. There was also the brand um, Meridia, Meridia, I think. Um, this was a popular weight loss drug in the early 2000s. It was a serotonin norepinephrine reuptake, reuptake inhibitor. These are hard words. Um, designed to affect the brain chemistry and help people feel full sooner. So again, satiety was the, the goal of this drug um, with the goal of it reducing food intake. But in 2010, it was withdrawn from the market after a study found that it was associated with an increased risk of heart attacks and strokes in patients, heart attacks and strokes in patients with a history of cardiovascular disease. So I mean, I've got notes and notes and notes, and I'm going to just stop there because it bears repeating that just this happens all the time. Um, mm-hmm. And I know that one of the arguments is that semaglutide, um, as used for diabetics, is a lot safer um, mechanism of function. But again, we just don't know the long-term implications, especially for the off-label usage. Because I think at times, we thought Fenfen was safe, and we thought Meridia was safe, Right. Um, and you know, and back in the day we thought smoking was safe. You know, there's, there's all these things that in the, in the moment where there's a craze, it seems like there's no risk. Yeah, it's so true. And it's, it's like that, isn't it? For so many different dietary approaches, or I mean, you could even associate maybe two people jumping on the kind of keto has been around a long time, but maybe it's even like the carnivore craze right now. There's a lot of people now taking the carnivore route long-term, completely cutting out all fruits, vegetables, whatever, saying that they feel amazing. Do we know the long-term implications of someone following a diet like that? Like, we really don't. So, yeah, arguably, (laughs) we just all need to slow down and perhaps give stuff some time, which I know sounds really obvious, but, yeah, it's, it's just really sad, isn't it? Because people are just so desperate a lot of people taking this drug are just desperate to look a certain way and it's nothing to do with health at all it is simply i want my body to look a certain way so they're they're willing to take this drug where we don't really know what's going to happen to their bodies in a few years time from taking it and it is just as i said really sad that people are willing to go down that route well i think it also brings up questions of like our societal uh sorry our societal obsession with this 
quick fix, right? With like, I need this now, regardless of what the long-term implications could be. Like, why are we so willing to put our health at risk for the sake of a few pounds? And yeah. and that is not isolated to semaglutides at all. No, it's, that's it's not everything. an azempic problem. Yeah, from just kind of over restriction to excessive exercise output to people taking steroids, like the the way that our body looks is the sole focus, and that's all people will want to focus on. Um, and it's really sad that so many people are going to be harmed by these approaches. Right. Well, and wow. if you think about it, it's easy to like pin it on celebrities. But they're mm. in a really bad place too, right? The like the expectations on them, the the pressure on them to look a certain way, that is so it's like relentless pressure. Um, so I I very much feel bad for the situation that they're in because it it sounds awful. It sounds really stressful. It sounds really detrimental to overall mental health as well as physical health because the methods you're you're going through to get to be a certain size it just sounds awful. It really is. I mean, we probably get like a small taste of that on social media, right? When you do post something that maybe does quite well on social media and it it attracts people that aren't usually your followers and who are very critical. Some of the comments that I know that I've received on social media are awful. Like, and that's only very, very rarely that it happens. So imagine having this massive platform where you just have thousands of people constantly commenting on the way that your body looks. You can, yeah. You can see, it's very rare you hear people sympathizing with celebrities, but yeah, you do have to kind of take that into account, don't you? Yeah, I think it'd be really hard. So I want to talk about the, the, the topic that obviously this approach of a weight loss drug does not touch on habits, right? Um, there's no lifestyle portion. There's no lifestyle intervention that's going to help us maintain loss that can happen. But I want to sidetrack real quick because obviously we are making it known that we're not really big fans of this ozempic effect, this use of semaglutides for off-label usage to, um, you know, potentially like risk diabetics who need this, this medication, not having access uh, for this quick fix, et cetera. But I, and this is complete personal opinion. I think there is a place for it, um, for those with obesity, um, and those who have more weight to lose, potentially this could be like a jump start to get them more, more amenable to lifestyle changes or to pair lifestyle changes alongside this loss that is kind of catalyzed by this drug so that they can continue to develop habits, right? So the 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 issue is that smaglutides do not include any habit building, right? But that doesn't mean we can't approach habit building alongside these Which drugs. unfortunately is probably just not happening very often. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. Mm-hmm. But, and, and we're also like another caveat or another disclaimer is we're talking within weight loss right now, but that doesn't need to be everyone's goal. Like that's, I, it's mm-hmm. just, that's the big, that's the big takeaway, right? But there is a population of people who may, benefit from weight loss that they have not been able to achieve on their own and that catalyst of you know having some external help could potentially help them work their way towards lifestyle changes that are a lot more sustainable um i think that population is a lot smaller than we think of 
often. I think it is. I think it is a very small population, right? And it's it's funny when this topic is spoken about on social media, there's the two extremes, isn't there? It's the people like, yeah, it's fine. It helps people out. And then you've got the camp of like, no, weight loss is really bad for anyone ever. And then I think it, it's really important to think that, yeah, I, I think these medications probably do have a place. Absolutely. But they are at the extreme end of the spectrum when someone is having like serious health issues because of the size of their body for whatever reason. Um, and I think just saying, no, they should never, ever be used, I think is just a little bit over simplistic. Yeah. Um, and I know that people will probably criticize us for saying that. But I, I think if it's managed correctly and also lifestyle habits are used too. Mm-hmm. But then... But it's difficult, right? Because so then let's say that these are, are with, I'm like arguing with myself in my head whilst I do this. <laughs> so someone who um, is experiencing serious health issues because of the size of their body on the extreme end of the spectrum, they're going to use this potentially to lose some weight, but there's going to be a reason that they've got to that size, right? And it's most likely not going to be because of habits or the way that they're eating. Like it's usually something deeper going Correct. on that's caused them to get to that size. So it's like yeah, this will help, but then for how long? Like, do they just stay on it forever? So it's really difficult, isn't it, of knowing, like, do they have a place, do they not? Basically, I don't know, and I'm going to continue (laughs) arguing with myself in the corner. (laughs) It speaks to the individualization, like, of our approach and our needs and everything, right? Mm. I guess for me, like, that disclaimer is not wanting to discount individuals who may have been really helped by this to get to a place where they feel more comfortable, confident in their bodies mm-hmm. alongside positive changes that have helped them live better, mm-hmm. feel more confident in their bodies, in their health, in their relationship with food, etc. Um, I think it's undoubtedly the minority <laughs> that would fall into yeah. that category. Mm-hmm. But say you have, and now we're just totally off track, but I feel like this bears, you know, this this... Screw the script, Kate. Let's go. Say you're that minority who has benefited from this drug, from some type of semaglutide. It would be really disheartening to see all the hate on it and only the extremes of like, never ever take this drug or you need this because of Zempic mm-hmm. effect or whatever, right? Like, it'd be hard. But, you know, that's the world we live in where there's a lot of extremes <laughs> and we all say, have to like, find the nuance. No the one likes nuance. No in one likes industry. nuance. You have to love or hate something. Like that's the only opinion you're ever, ever allowed to have. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and here we are arguing with ourselves. <laughs> Literally with ourselves. <laughs> Cause we don't know how to deal with it. <laughs> so let's talk about the habit building with this nuance in um, in the front forefront of our mind. I hate nuance. We don't want nuance. <laughs> it's so annoying and boring, honestly. So weight management, if that's something we're working towards in a safe, sustainable way, is a long-term process, right? It's not the sprint to the finish line. It's the marathon. That's an annoying metaphor, but it's also relevant. Um, and so the changes that we need to make in our lifestyle need to be habitually ingrained into our daily routines to yield lasting results. So it's it's not just about the weight loss, it's about maintaining progress, maintaining habits, right? So consider this, if our weight loss strategy primarily relies on smaglutide injections, where does the habit building come in? Mm-hmm. It doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Are we learning to, you know, make the best food choices possible for us? Are we learning to incorporate some type of movement? Um, Are we practicing some type of uh, mindfulness regarding honoring our hunger and fullness cues? You know, mostly not, probably. We're taking an injection that isn't 
It doesn't come with habits. Um, so it, there's also definitely a mental health implication, right? Using medication as a primary means of weight loss can create unhealthy reliance. It may also lead to feelings of failure or inadequacy if we regain that weight. Um, and I think this could definitely just be another factor contributing to that cycle of endless like yo-yo dieting, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Because I like we both work with clients who have have weight loss as a goal, um, and it's almost like we don't like to make weight loss the goal. If that makes sense, like the goal of us is kind of improving exercise habits, mm-hmm. improving nutritional habits. Um, and then usually that stuff all happens as a result anyway. Um, whereas unfortunately, when you're obviously taking this approach, the focus is here, get body weight down, make scale go down. Right. That's kind of, that's kind of where all of the emphasis is. And there is no genuine health promotion involved within it all. Mm-hmm. Um, once again, like I, I don't know, maybe some, maybe in the UK, for example, we're having some follow-up support after that. I don't know. Um, but knowing as the US health system is like I, I think we're kind of going down that route now where everything's massively underfunded where that's just probably not going to be the case so yeah. it gets a thumbs down from me I'm going to be honest Kate yeah I mean fair <laughs> right no I like what you're saying because I, I think you know the approach we take obviously far more individualized obviously far more mm-hmm. in-depth uh, more personalized a lot more support which is not accessible to everybody we know that um, but I I feel like I kind of function within um the, the camp of, hey, fat loss goals are okay. We just need to approach them in a safe and a sustainable way and make sure that we have habits in place to support them. And what's better, let's have that be a byproduct of all of this really great work we're doing. Mm-hmm. Let's focus on you feeling great in your movement and your nutrition and your food choices and your ability to weather the ups and downs of life and, <laughs> and the vacations and the travel and all of that with solid habits in place um, that you know create support rather than stress around your health and body composition goals or body composition changes can be a byproduct of that Um, but here we're focusing on just like you said wait 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 nothing else but the Mm -hmm. scale and that just mentally is overwhelming it will beat you down it just it's not I feel like in every way shape and form that is hard on us yeah, and also I think just from what you see through social media, most of the people using these drugs now because they've become kind of popular in air quotation marks is the people that are using these drugs are kind of, I'm going to use kind of the word normal in terms of like societal norm rather than what I think is normal. But all these people are in like kind of like normal bodies, right? They're just mm-hmm. like a regular people. And the only reason they're using this is because societal pressures of having to look one way is is overriding everything else that comes alongside that so it's it's just kind of once again and i'm going to keep using this term but it's just really sad that people end up going down mm-hmm. this route it's so complex isn't it like it's so there's so many different avenues from this that are challenging to discuss in like a in like a quick snappy way as well so like, like because so many people listening to this episode, for example, like a lot of people that follow personal trainers and fitness folk on social media, their focus is weight loss because that's what 99% of the fitness industry is, right? So a lot of right. people will follow coaches because that is what their goal is. When an, a lot of the time these people have been chasing this as a goal for their entire lives and it can be really disheartening. So I can completely see why people end up going down the route of thinking 
right, a Zenpeg would just make my life so much easier. Um, and if you, like someone who's been struggling in quotation marks once again with their weight all of their, their life, yo-yo dieting, if you've been doing that for decades, if you were told, right, take this drug and in a few months time, you'll be exactly where you want to be and where you think you'll be happy. Like I, I completely get it. Um, and I always just want to like to put a disclaimer on this when I'm talking about it. So if you can hear Jude crying in the background, I apologize if that came through everyone. The joys of recording with babies is that the, if you are sitting in this camp and you have been once again, struggling in quotation marks with trying to lose weight, then it's always good to remind you that you can improve health markers without ever focusing on weight loss. You know, like if you just focus on a healthy diet, eating higher protein, more fruits and vegetables and improving water intake and that kind of thing. And then exercising regularly in a way that you enjoy, you can improve all these health markers without ever focusing on your body weight. Once again, that's not to criticize or judge anyone that goes down the weight loss route, like we get it. Um, but if this is you who's someone who's been down this path for so many years and you just feel awful about it, then you can actually just step aside and away from that approach and you'll be fine. You can you can focus on healthy habits elsewhere. Um, so yeah, really cool topic. I've learned a lot today, Kate. Thank you oh, so much. Good. Well, I would say even <laughs> a takeaway is here's this information, do what you will with it. But maybe mm. a question to ask yourself, if you're someone who maybe a doctor has offered this to you because you mentioned weight or something like that, is this just another attempt at unsustainable change? Um, mm. I'd like to ask my clients that sometimes that they're like, well, last time I ate 1200 calories, you know, whatever. And I'm like, well, you're here. Did that work for you? You know, like, are we here to do something different? Um, are you open to doing something different? Um, not a quick fix, but a little more of a sustainable approach and kind of digging into what is your relationship with food look like? Because I can tell you, semaglutide isn't going to touch that, you know, like that's not going to do anything for you in a relationship with food, except maybe complicate it further because now you have nausea after eating carrots or something, you know? Um, yeah. And, and can we take a different route rather than the tireless, like over and over yo-yo dieting or pursuit of another quick fix? Like, are we okay with maybe trying something different? Um, and this isn't it, right? This is just same old, same old, give me the magic bullet for weight loss without any um, any really care for what long-term habits look like, what mental health and the, the um, impact of this constant pursuit of fat loss looks like for your mental health. And so hopefully we can do better, right? Hopefully this is, help this is helpful information that allows us to do a little better. Exactly. It's all about informing, isn't it? I, and this is kind of the... The question I get on social media, I think because of a lot of the content I create, I sit in a lot of the kind of body neutrality space. So I get a lot of questions about like, do you feel comfortable when people come to you for weight loss and this kind of thing? And and I always say that my job is to inform people about the risks and dangers about every approach. And then it's up to that individual, like you're in control of your body and no one else gets a say of what you want to do with it. Take this information that you're that we are providing here today and then just use it in whichever way that feels right for you and and no one else gets to judge that in any format yeah and we'll end on that because i i feel like we've we could talk forever but we've covered the basics right nailed it so you, where Kate. to find us where to find you michael if someone wants um, to reach out for help 
just mostly through Instagram, uh, but pretty much all major social media platforms. My handle is Michael Ujoa PT, all one word. Um, and yeah, that's on mostly Instagram, Twitter, and a little bit on TikTok um, before I run away crying because I feel bad about myself <laughs> being on that platform for too long. <laughs> I, don't, I don't live the TikTok life. You can find me on Instagram at KL Nutrition. Awesome. Kate, thank you so much. It's been a riot and I'll see you again next week. Talk soon.